Sometimes it's easy to do things without thinking. You probably are thinking about some of those times you've done that in the past. We do that at church sometimes, and we do it in our Christian lives. Sometimes we go through the Lord's Supper without really thinking. Watch people being baptized without really thinking. Sometimes we even read scripture. Today, I wanna ask you to think with me about the Lord's Supper because Paul wrote to the Corinthians and encouraged them to think about what they were doing and how this affected their life and the lives of other people around them. So today, I want to ask you to look with me at Holy Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and let's take a serious look at the Lord's Supper. Our scripture is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. We want to hear what God has to say to his church. And what he said to Corinth fits us as well because we do tend to just kind of gloss over things and miss the point of what we're doing. So hear the words of Paul giving correction and admonition to the church at Corinth. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. That was Paul's sarcasm for them to get the point. So then, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? Certainly not. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For whenever, Paul is speaking now, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns again. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, and a great question ought to be, what does that mean? And so in a few minutes, we're going to look at what an unworthy manner would be. Whoever drinks the cup, eats the bread in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body 
and blood of the Lord. So everyone, so everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we're judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined, a good reason for it, so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, you can hear the tenderness and the appreciation that Paul has for them. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should do the practical thing and eat at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And Paul says, and when I come, I will give you further instructions. I've tried to talk with you about things that are urgent. Today, I want to talk with you about another thing that just seems like it rises to the top of the list. It is urgent that we do life God's way. It is urgent for you physically, emotionally, relationally. It is urgent that we live life God's way. But it is also urgent for all eternity that we live God's way. Now, I never can think about this thing, this very serious thing of living God's way with thinking about this frivolous thing as well. And that is my first job in Louisiana was at Burger King, who loved to say, have it your way. Now, I didn't want to work at Burger King, but they were good people, and they treated me well, and they let me run the cash register back in the day when there was such a thing as a cash register, and it didn't figure how much the change was. And I love the little challenge, and I love barking out orders. Uh, they also let me clean up after midnight, and I hated that part of it. But everybody who walked in believed what Burger King said. You can have it your way. And it was my job to say, you can have everything your way except the part you're asking for. <laughs> well, they tried to do that, but you just can't please everybody. You and I, we live to our detriment when we do it our way. Because there's a God in heaven who 
knows you by name? Seven or eight billion people. But think about this. What we've been hearing is 200, it's just almost mind-boggling, 200 billion galaxies. And our God created it all. And he created you. He knows your emotions. He knows what your needs are. He knows about your need for relationship and fellowship. I I read this morning early uh, something that came out of the UK from a magazine called Women's Health, and it talked about relational vacations and the whole idea of, of having me time. That's mainly a woman's way of describing that. The whole idea of having me time is harming us terribly because we're missing out on the relationships of life. God knows how he made us. God knows what we need. And we live best when we live according to God's way. It is urgent for us to do that and to follow him. And when Paul writes about the Lord's Supper, he is writing about doing things God's way for God's reasons because of what matters to God. So in this passage of Scripture, we find why we worship and what God's command is and why we have the Lord's Supper. And why would Jesus say, as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, remember, remember my death, remember my my blood that was shed for you. Why would we do that again and again? By the way, there are two things in Scripture that are commanded to be a part of the church. We call them the ordinances of the church. It is baptism and the Lord's Supper. And with some various differences, all Christian groups practice baptism and the Lord's Supper. There are a whole lot of things that we don't get right, but we get those right. Why did Jesus tell us to partake of the Lord's Supper? And why is it that Christians follow that around the world? Well, let's look at this passage of Scripture. I think that God wants us to know what really matters. Because the easiest thing in the world, in our lives, but as a church, is to get off track and start doing things that while they may be important and it might be meaningful and it might be helpful, is not the main thing. Paul said, what I received, I gave to you as of first importance. And there are two ways you could think of how Paul received it. I would say that both of those fit together. But the two ways he would have received it was to hear from other apostles, Peter and James and John, and all of the others who were there in the upper room that night before Jesus was crucified when he broke the bread and he said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And remember, they ate bread. 
They didn't eat the body of Jesus. They didn't drink the blood of Jesus. He says, do this in remembrance of me. And Paul said, this is of first importance. So it is the body and the blood of Christ. It is the work of Christ on the cross that is to be at the heart of everything that we do. Paul said, Paul talked about the gospel. Last week we looked at 1 Corinthians 15. By this gospel you were saved. In chapter 15, verses 3 through 5, Paul said, same kind of words he said in verse 11, what I received, received by the apostles, received by direct revelation of God, the two ways that those are put together. What I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised from the dead on the third day according to the Scriptures. When we come together for the Lord's Supper, when we come together as the body of Christ, we're to remember that we are people of the cross. We're people of the gospel, that it is the good news of Jesus that God gave to us that saves us and makes us new people in him. It, it is what God has done and what God wants to do within us that makes all the difference. He, he says in chapter 11... These words, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do what? You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I would encourage you to receive joyfully and happily your children who say, why do we have the Lord's Supper? And why do we have baptism?" And when can I take the Lord's Supper? And when can I be baptized? Because in the simplest, most intimate way possible, you get to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And I would say if you don't have time to answer that when it gets asked, like in the middle of the church service, make sure that you answer that when you do have time. And when your friends say to you, why do you go to that church? Man, that's a great opportunity. Proclaim the Lord's death. Get beyond, I like my connect group. Get beyond, I like the people around me. Get to the heart of the matter and make that of first importance. And when we have the Lord's Supper we are dealing with the things that matter, and it makes us think about the things that matters. And that's why Paul wrote this. And, and reason number two is because the Lord's Supper makes us consider other people, and it reminds us to consider other people. Because the problem at Corinth was they didn't consider other people. If you were here at the first of, of this series back in September you'll, or August, you'll remember that, that the problem at Corinth was that they were a divided congregation and that there were at least four groups of people there who had splintered off and were into factions. 
And Paul was appalled at it and hurt by it and could not get over that they were divided. There were some people who said, I'm of Apollos and I follow Peter. Paul had to be really hurt at this one. Some people said, I follow Paul. And then, in not in ways that were spiritual or really devoted unto God, some of them said, I follow after Jesus. So they were divided in factions, and it showed up everywhere they went and everything they did. And when they came together for the Lord's Supper, they practiced it that way. One of the ways they practiced the Lord's Supper was to have a fellowship meal. In the South, we would call it a potluck. And they would have a fellowship meal, and everybody would bring a little something, they would eat together, and in the middle of it, they'd have the Lord's Supper. Well, what a beautiful thing to do. The the early church called it the love feast. They were remembering the love of God for them in Christ Jesus. And they were feasting and remembering what he had done by eating the bread and drinking the cup. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. But here's the way they practiced it in Corinth. There were obviously wealthy people. And there were obviously Poor people. And the poorest of the poor were the slaves. Remember the, 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 the Roman population, the Roman world, it's estimated that at least a third of the population were slaves and maybe half of the population were slaves. We still are not over that. The, the Uyghurs in China and, and many parts of the Middle East and and human trafficking all around the world and even in our own country. But those slaves were the last to arrive because they had duties and often had nothing to bring for the fellowship meal. And there were people in the church who came early and gobbled theirs down. Paul said, and, and, and even drank to excess. And Paul said, don't you have homes to eat in? Don't you have homes to drink in? You, you come here and here's what I hear. Some, some are hungry and some are drunk. Should I commend you in this? By no means, absolutely not. What was Paul trying to say to them? Paul's trying to say, treat everybody as a brother and sister in Christ. Treat other people as God treated you. Love them in devotion and live with other people in mind. So what is he saying to do? Emphasize unity and harmony. He is saying, care for the least of these, my brothers. What were they doing in Corinth? They were acting like the world. The world ignored slaves. The world ignored poor people. The world ignored people who were dying from all kinds of illnesses. The church grew in the Mediterranean world within 300 years, became dominant in the Roman world within 300 years because the churches didn't act like Corinth. 
And when there was the plague, it was the Christians who cared for dying people and died themselves. And they would say, oh, how they love one another. And they considered the needy and the poor and the slaves. And they considered one another. That's what Paul is saying to do. And when he talks about eating and drinking in an unworthy manner, obviously, if you gobble it down, I mean, that makes sense. But that's not so much what it was. I think he meant without regard to other people, without thinking about the needs of others, without caring about who they are, without caring for the least of these, my brothers. I know that God puts a lot of demands on you and me. And every now and then, some of us maybe chafe at that a little bit. But what are the demands? Only that we do what he's done. We don't get demands to do something God didn't do for us. Just what he did for us. To forgive as Christ forgave us. To be kind, compassionate, tenderhearted. To care enough about someone else to go out of our way. Jesus is the ultimate of the one who went out of his way for the needs of other people. The Lord's Supper reminds us to be considerate of others and to care about the needs of people around us and to love people as God has loved us. There's a third thing that the Lord's Supper does. It makes us examine ourselves. Paul says, before you partake of the, the, the bread and the, and the cup, examine yourself. How do you do that? Well, let me give you an example of how you would do that. I think you would ask two questions. And it needs to, they need to be open-ended questions. And we need to be quiet and wait. And we need to let God answer the questions for us. And it should be something like this. God, is there anything in my life with which you are not pleased? So this is a look at the negative. What do I need to get rid of? What do I need to remove from my life? Most of us, we kind of go there at the very beginning because when we are younger, we all know that there are things I need to get rid of in my lives. There are different attitudes that I need to have. So that's one thing to do. But the second question I think should be like this, and it should be positive. God, is there anything in my life you want me to add in? What is there that I'm not doing that you want me to do? One of the things we've been talking about as a pastoral team is taking the next step and encouraging you to look at your own life. Where am I with God? Well, let's, let's say God wants me to be here but I'm somewhere here. So how do I take the next step? How do I get a step up? I would encourage you to ask God, God, 
What step do you want me to take? And then emphasize that step. And then pray about that step. And ask God to help you with it. And here's the way it will work. If you will say, God, this is where you want me to go. I want to be where you want me to be. But I have a hard time getting there. That's what I tell God. I have a hard time getting there. So I need you to give me what I need. I need you to give me that intense desire to make it happen. I need you to bring change within me. God, I want to want what you want, but I'm having a hard time wanting that. So give me that want to, to do what you want me to do. So the Lord's Supper is a way to remind us, wait a minute, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I need to be looking at myself. It's God's way of calling us to greater devotion to become more and more like him in every way. And I cannot say it enough times, the goal for you as a Christian. Now, I hope it's your goal and it's certainly my goal but it's mainly God's goal. And the goal that we have is for us to become like Christ. So we have to examine ourselves. There's a really hard verse of Scripture in here, really hard two verses of Scripture. Here's what Paul says. For this reason, because you haven't discerned yourself, because you haven't looked at your life, because you haven't examined yourself, there have been physical issues resulting from your spiritual sin. And I think that's a good way to think about that. Paul says some of you are weak and sick, and some of you have fallen asleep. And we saw last week that was Paul's term to describe the death of a Christian. I've said these kind of things before, and the congregation gets very quiet. And we should, because all of this obviously matters to God. Here's the way I think this means. We should not... Never judge. We shouldn't ever judge anybody else. When Paul says discern, you know what he means? He means you discern. You discern where you are. We know that illness and death comes from our sin as a people, as a body of people, as a world. It goes all the way back to our ancestors, and sin came into the world. It is appointed unto men once to die. Paul is talking about something else. What does he mean? He means that your spiritual ills produce physical results. Now, we all know that. Let me give you some examples. Uh, what happens to people who hold bitterness they're usually, let that bitterness be there long enough and there'll be physical problems with that. We know that. Secular people, apart from God, who have nothing to do with Christianity, will tell you that's the case. 
You, you want to get sick? You, you hold bitterness. You want to you shorten your life? You refuse to forgive. Or as Women's Health said out of the UK, try to live by yourself and ignore other people and not have anything to do with others. That's what Paul means by this. And so obviously it is very serious that we examine ourselves because God wants to bless us. That is his desire. But when we hold God at arm's length, when we leave him out of our lives, guess what we leave out? We leave out those blessings that come with that, that he wants us to have. So let us be a people who examine ourselves and seek to live for God and honor him in all things. Let us take up the urgency of living God's way. Here's what I say. Here's what I believe with all of my heart. Here's what I told my daughters. Here's what I say about myself. When we seek to live God's way, when we seek to follow Holy Scripture, when we seek to let God be in charge of our lives, we give ourselves the chance to live the very best life possible. But not without aging not without the body deteriorating, not without sickness, not without death. Because it is appointed unto men once to die, and then comes the judgment. But, and so everybody has to die once. But nobody has to die twice. Because God sent his son to die literally in your place. He who knew no sin, he who was the perfect son of God, became sin for you that you might have the righteousness of God and your sins be forgiven and you be made new in him. I always ask you to do things. Let me ask you two things. First of all, for those of you who are not yet believers, those of you who have not made a deliberate decision to trust Christ, to confess him as Lord, let me invite you to walk to the front, talk with a counselor here at the front, somebody who is trained to help you know what your next step should be and to lead you through this. Maybe you don't know how to go through this, let us help you. Let us pray for you. Let us encourage you. Let us counsel with you in this fundamental decision of life. But most of us here are believers. We have already de deliberately decided, would you ask God, God, what's the next step? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to serve? How do you want me to live? What do you want me to take up that you would have me to do? Would you do that today? And then would you come to the front and let someone pray with you about this decision? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for guidance. Thank you for caring about us enough to show us your way.
I thank you for Paul. Thank you for those believers at Corinth who repented and who changed and who took up your way. God, help us to do life your way as you call us to do. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together, please. We're going to pray. We're going to sing, and we invite you to come at this time.